0: You're tuned in to the Manjeet Minhas podcast. Welcome to the Manjeet Minhas podcast, a show where we sit down with different industry experts and leaders in business to hear about their journey, successes and challenges that they've faced along the way. My guest today is an award-winning chef and restaurateur and the owner of the famous Vidge's Restaurant, one of the most successful and well-known Indian restaurants in North America. You may recognize him also as a guest judge on Top Chef Canada, many appearances on the Food Network, from his two best-selling cookbooks, and as a previous investor on Dragon's Den. Welcome to the show, Vikram.
1: Okay, so first of all, Namaste, uh, Satsrikal, you know, Adab. I'm a Punjabi from Amritsar. I was born literally a block and a half away from the Harmandar Sahib, Gurdwara, in Amritsar. Then my father moved to Bombay and I wanted to be an actor, wanted to become a Bollywood actor, actually. Then one day my father shattered my dreams by saying, no son of mine is going to become an actor. He didn't want me to pursue that career. And I decided uh, to, uh, you know, pursue this restaurant line, which I loved, always cooking. You know, I was always the performer at home. And when my aunties and uncles would come over to the house, you know, I, I would love to chit chat with them. Chai, biscuits and gossip go a long way, you know.
0: That's unique that um, I feel an Indian boy, born and raised in India, that not only had interests in uh, the kitchen, but also cooking, uh, but then your family deterred you away from Bollywood, but then the restaurant business was something that even seemed like an option back then.
1: There is a little bit of a a story behind it. In 1984, our government at the time, Indira Gandhi, had attacked Harman Sahib, on June 10th, and there was a Blue Star operation that took place. So India was in a really tough economic position, and youngsters like us who were 18 and 19 didn't really have much hope. There was a lot of corruption, there was a lot of fighting, there was a lot of uh, interracial fighting between the Sikhs and the Hindus and everything else, which I totally despised and I hated it because... All my friends were Punjabis. You know, they were all Sardars. They were all Sikhs. They were all of them. And I, I never believed that we were any different just because one had a, a turban or a bug and I didn't didn't mean any different. I never perpetuated it. And and I, I've always hated that element of, um, of uh, you know being, told that you're this or you're this or you're that. And I've always believed that you're always know, a global citizen. So there was a turmoil happening, and at the time, I had just finished my degree, and there was really nothing much to do. Either I could have sat on my father's shop and, and become a cloth merchant, or an opportunity came about in Austria to say, you can go and do hotel management and study there. So it's not that they, at the time, they knew what we were going to. I was going to go and do. I just loved it. So I, I just... Basically, I wanted to get out of the country first and then figure out my ways of what I wanted to do. You know, it was just freedom to get away from the racial discrimination, the racial hatred that was happening, the the sadness of of what the country was going through. You know, the turmoil of economic conditions were so bad. So at that time, that is what had happened. Then when I went to Austria and I became a chef, Then I realized that my passion was people. I love people. I love cooking for people. I love uh, feeding people. I love welcoming people. And so that veered me into the right direction of saying, this is my calling. And the funniest part of this is at 5.30 when the restaurant opens, I've always thought of it as a theater, that the curtains are drawn, the restaurant is open, the theater begins, the clink and the clang of the kitchen and the welcoming of the people happens. So for all my father's dreams of me not becoming an actor.
0: (laughs) One way or another, you still got your stage.
1: (laughs) I am performing every single night at 5.30. So it is kind of hilarious. And that's what I would tell any young entrepreneur or a chef or anybody saying, just follow your passion. Just do what you feel like doing.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I, I agree, because I like that you didn't know what was happening, but you knew where you were, that there was a lack of opportunity. You know, it was, and I think most immigrant stories are like that, right? My dad's story is the same thing. He was 21, um, you know, in, in mid-70s, and he left India, same thing, to come to Canada to pursue a life, as he thought, an engineer, but just a, a life that had more opportunity in this country also know where it would end up and, you know, started in the sawmill and then, okay, ended up um, being an engineer as as he dreamed. But I think that it's really fascinating to to somebody like me who's born and raised here to really not understand that lack of opportunity because, you know, here we're born with so much opportunity. It's just about actually pulling your pants up and and working hard for it and acknowledging um, what you want to do and what you're passionate about. It, It is all really honestly, at your fingertips. Sure, there's lots of hurdles and challenges and, and and competition, but it's not the same like you describe it. And, and you know, I've only read about it and I've only seen um, stories and it tugs at my heart. Of course, I've been to the Golden Temple. I've taken my kids there um, and heard about Operation Blue Star. And, and it still brings a tear to my eyes hearing exactly what happened. And to be a, a youngster, 18, 19, at that time and seeing the inequality happening in front of your eyes and living through it, I think it takes a, a really brave person at that young age to be able to leave that country and go to another country such as Austria, um, which in itself is, is remarkable to me. Yeah, of course, different culture, different language, different mannerisms, just, just, just so much different um, as a youngster. But I also think that speaks of your courage, um, when I look at what you've been able to do so far in your life at all the opportunities that you have taken and taken the courage to take on those. When I talk about that, when you went to Austria, then what made you think that you wanted to focus on Indian food and when you came to then Canada after? Because I think a lot of people then get stuck just doing what's mainstream rather than being unique because that too took a lot of courage to try something a little bit different.
1: I had studied French cooking. And it really, really, really bothered me that my cuisine and my culture and the depth of my cooking was never given the same respect as any French or Italian cooking was. I was considered brown and I was considered ethnic. And that meant I should be cheap and cheerful rather than. So the French you know, they could take the Indian dishes, uh, they could take the French dishes and present it beautifully and charge 30 bucks for it. Whereas Indian food is one of the worst cuisines to present because it's brown, browner, brownish. You know, it's like it's the same color. So how do you present Indian food beautifully? Because you present it with a lot of love and passion. I, I felt that my cuisine had not been given the respect and I fought for that respect. Why did I do Indian food? Is Even though I had French culinary background, is because my time had come to represent my cuisine, my culture, my history, my background, my country of birth properly and get the respect that I wanted from the other chefs and not be considered as... Just a brown chef, because when I was studying in Austria, as a brown person, I wasn't allowed to cook main courses. I had to just make salads and schnitzels, and because because I was brown and I was Indian, you know. And so when I came to Canada and I, I had this platform to to be who I am, uh, you know, I I wanted to take that platform. I didn't want anybody to pigeonhole me and say. He's Indian food. I wanted to say, that's why if you actually look at it, it's called Vidges, Vikram Vidj, that's my last name. It doesn't say authentic cuisine of India. It doesn't say Taj Mahal. It doesn't say Vaheguru. It doesn't say any of that stuff because I wanted people to respect me that you come to Vikram Vidj's house. It's like if I come to Manjit Manha's house, that's all I want. I don't... Your background, the color of your skin doesn't matter to me because, and that's what I wanted. I wanted people to enjoy my food. So in, in all seriousness, the reason was, um, is because I was fighting for my own foothold in the culinary world. And that's why I would mingle with all the chefs that were non-Indian in the sense. I would go and infiltrate into the right markets and talk to the great chefs. You know Michael Noble, who ha- in Calgary, who has a beautiful restaurant. He, he he was one of the beginning ones he saw, and he brought all these chefs to the restaurant. And we've been friends uh, ever since then, um, because uh, he saw that you know I wanted to bring awareness to it. So why did I do Indian food? Is because I wanted to bring awareness to it. I wanted people to respect my culture, my cuisine as much as they respect Italian, French, and I say this, every cuisine in this world is very diverse. Whether you're from Iran, whether you're from Guatemala, whether you're from Chile, whether you're from uh, you know France, they all have nuances. Cooked food with love and passion is the only thing that matters in life.
0: Once you realized that you wanted to pursue um, a career in the food industry and open, uh, you know, uh, you worked at the Banff Springs just up the road from me here, uh, and then you ended up in Vancouver. And so, talk to me about how you um, decided that you wanted to own not only your own restaurant, um, but all of the challenges and the risks and the fears that come along with that decision because you know the restaurant business as we all know is is one of the toughest industries in the world and and i think the last stat i read was 60% don't make of restaurants open don't make it past the first year um so like everything is working against you when you want to open up a restaurant it seems
1: how do you survive in the restaurant industry you just survive by being focused you know there's a word in hindi um, called drishti drishti means focus. You know, you have a focus. You have a goal in life. And they used to say in India, uh, you know, the women that wear the bindi, you know, the dot here, the, the Indian women that wear bindi, is the third eye of a woman. Like she knows what's coming ahead. You know, it's a proven, it was, it was called the drishti, focus. So you remain focused at what you do. You work hard at it. Uh, and then you... Put that smile on and you say, okay, time to do some Bangla." Entrepreneur spirit was always there because my father was a businessman. So in India, my father was a businessman. So to risk, to lose it all, and I did lose it. I did open up a factory and I lost a lot of the money and I have to admit it. Um, but then I regained it back again uh, To to... to To not be worried about, because to be honest with you, I I, I have always believed I came empty handed into this world. I've got to go empty handed. So, what, what, why am I worried about what possessions do I have? It doesn't matter to me what possessions I have. What matters to me is how do people remember me? What matters to me is like, oh my God, you know, Vikram Vinch did this for us, or Chef did this, this to the, to the industry, or what he did. Um, you know, for the food industry. So that's what matters. I don't want to be remembered for how much money I had or if I have any. I want to be remembered for what we accomplished as a group.
0: But you learned marketing, you learned how to take control of finances, you learned, you know, real estate, you had a, you know, a lot of things that make up the business part of running a restaurant, not just the food. Also, you know, um, the culture within the organization in the restaurant, the philosophy of, um, you know, you've talked a lot about um, the sustainable food um, that was, uh, that you have in in, in Vidges and, and the other restaurants that you own. So all of that was, you have to take some credit for that as the leader um and you know so so talk to me a little bit about how you developed your talents and skills and how you honed on what were going to be the philosophies of how um Vijay's was going to run
1: okay so it's it's great you said but you know i grew up in Amitya, in a village farm right so almost like a village so the village mentality was somebody was growing onions somebody had tomatoes the other one had uh, ginger And at 7.15 in the evening, everybody would get together and there would be a farmer's market. So the idea of farm to table was, I don't need to buy produce all the way from California when I have beautiful Punjabi farmers in Okanagan that are producing great vegetables. Why do I need to buy meat from somewhere else? Why do I need to buy wine from somewhere else when I have beautiful uh, wineries in my backyard? You know? And we talked about beers, for example. I want a local beer. I want the beer from local breweries here. I don't want to bring in a beer all the way from India just because the because it's an Indian beer. I what I, I have to be happy with. I so the mentality was not not sustainability at the time. Mentality was I just want to bring my village on their plate
0: and 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 that i imagine um uh, you know when you opened um, images in the beginning wasn't as easy as it is now because you know that that farm to table concept uh, that farmers market like whatever you want to call it at that moment was not the way that people bought um for restaurants or or even thought about so um you know it, it's great that you were thinking about that the, but the execution of that i imagine couldn't have been easy
1: so it was not because there was another restaurant that was serving a chicken curry for $8 and my chicken curry was $14 because I was buying sustainable chicken, my spices were hand roasted, I was paying the staff proper wages, you know, they got labor standards and all those things were expensed. I was not a mom-pop shop anymore that was serving, you know, chicken curry for $8 and I was serving for 14 But that's why it has taken me 26 years to get there. I was never an overnight success, you know. It was like I held your hand and said, you know what, just come to my restaurant, taste the food, taste the chicken, taste the curry, taste the sauce, taste the passion, look at the women in the kitchen. Are you not willing to pay $14 for that chicken curry? And 90% of the people were like, yeah, we are. And I'm very proud to say that my Canada is that country that it's okay paying a little bit more for something as long as it has a purpose. And the purpose was that those Punjabi women in my kitchen could send their kids to proper schools, that their sons and daughters could become doctors and engineers and lawyers and whatever they wanted to. And that came from the fact that, so it was very tough. It was very tough. And I was totally belittled all the time, you know, that, oh my God, he's not really Indian. He's not authentic Indian. And I used to say, there is no more of an Indian than I am. I was born and brought up there for 21 years, you know. There is not a bigger Indian than, than I am. I'm, there's not a bigger, prouder Indian than I am, you know. And so, yes, there was a huge amount of hurdles. And it was because, and this is where I will just say this very politely, is because we were not as Indian restaurants or chefs collectively together, you know? If one person was selling a samosa for a buck, the other one would come back and sell it for 80 cents. And then the third one will sell it for 75 cents. So rather than collectively saying, you know what? My samosa is a buck, take it or leave it, and we are all going to be on the same page, we undermine. So it's not the fault of the consumer, It is our fault as Indo-Canadians not standing up.
0: You must have decided that it's going to bed at night, I imagine many nights kept you up to say, okay, what if I can't pay payroll tomorrow? What if nobody shows up at the door? And I think it's important for people to understand always, like you say, you were an overnight success and the massive lineups, which I too have waited in before we knew each other outside of Vidges to get in, didn't happen, you know, year one and year two. It was a buildup for people to discover the massive, not only success that Vidges was, but how awesome the food and the service really was. And that it was Indian, but with Vikram's flair and his team's flair. The fear that you must have had, the determination to stick to the philosophy. Um, tell me how you um, you decided and why you decided that you were going to stick to it despite all the fears.
1: My breakaway point in 1994 when I first opened the restaurant was $100 a day. If I sold 100 bucks a day, I knew I was going to survive. And some days, Majid, I would do... 96 dollars, 95 dollars, 97 dollars. And I was worried next morning how I was going to make the payroll because next day I had to earn 103 dollars in order to pay for the 97 shortfall of it. Uh, and you know what I would do, Ajit? I would go to the cash register at the end of the night and I would ring in 4 dollars of naan just to feel good to get over that $100 mark, because next morning, I would wake up and say, I did 100 bucks, Even though I knew I only did $96. That motivated me to get up in the morning and not feel dejected by saying, oh, I only did 96 It was like, oh, I did 100 I did 100 I did 100 Because my cash register showed 100 Even though my heart what's it in. So you play as an entrepreneur you play these tricks in your mind in order to get to the next step because if you don't as a leader and you become like slouch then the team feels it so you need to go out there and say yeah we'll be fine we'll be okay we'll be good we'll be okay you know we'll be fine so where how, how does this manifest down the road sticking to it and saying This is who I am. Take it or leave it. Of course you learn. Of course you change. Of course you do things differently. But the core and the essence of Vikram Vidge and of Vidge's is this entrepreneurial spirit of, you know what? I'm going to do what I'm going to do in order to survive. And so if I have to get back into the kitchen and scrub some pots, I'll do it. If I need to get back behind the line and do it, I will.
0: The The past few years have been volatile for many people. And there's been so many social issues that have a spotlight on them. And you have also talked about some of them, it, particularly diversity and inclusion. And so why do you think that it's important for companies more than ever now? It's always been important, but it's getting the spotlight that I feel it deserves. And And so why do you think that um, it's important?
1: It's important because I'm an immigrant. It's important because I came here with nothing in my hand. I was accepted. I was given the love I have a nose ring, I have an earring, I have toe rings, I wear jewellery, and I'm not judged for my preferences. As long as I'm not judged and I'm given the same respect, I want to say the same respect to the other person. And that means inclusivity. That means gender equality. That means gender neutral. It. We need to stop thinking of what the other person is doing and who they are sleeping with. Who cares? What they do with their lives is what matters. How they behave and what what kind of a human being they are is is what matters. And so why is inclusivity so important to me is because I was not included for such a long time. In my cooking schools and formidable, I, I was always the the token brown boy, you know, the token brown guy who's passed it. So why it is so important for me, why it is important is because I've gone through that. That's why I think, for me, racism has to stop. We cannot allow racism or hatred or prejudice against any human being in this country or anywhere else in the world. We need to make sure that happens. So that's why it's so important to me, because... When you've gone through it yourself, you never do it to anybody else.
0: Very true. That's very true. I, I would agree with you there. I think that that hatred, and I think that we all can band together, whether it's happened to us directly or not, or our you know family or our immediate community. I don't have any more questions. Is there anything else that you wanted to chat about?
1: I wanted to ask you, and I'm glad you gave me this platform to, to ask you that question. How did it feel to be the first, well, I guess a second Indo-Canadian to be a dragon and the first female Indo-Canadian dragon
0: well, I think you're being um, a little nice, um, but I, I would say, listen, first and foremost, publicly and privately, I always say I thank Vikram for breaking the color barrier on this show, that it took way too long. It took nine years for a, a dragon to come on the panel that represented and looked like this country did. It took too long, I'm glad it happened. And I'm glad that it was you that broke that color barrier and that sat in that chair um, to, to not only talk about and be who you were. A big part of, I think too many of us face in this country is that they want to change our names. They want to change who we are. They want us to be more white, to be more what they believe the audience in the TV world um, want to look at or hear from. Well, that's not the case. This is an amazing, diverse country. And there's lots of people um, more and more every single day that come from different parts of the world and have all different experiences. And whether it be from India or a multitude of other countries, you know, it is, it is diverse. And I think that, um, I was so proud to see you on there. Um, and then when I got the call, I was first initially like, oh my goodness, uh, so excited to honored. And then definitely, honestly, a little scared. I don't usually get scared, but I was, I first said no, and I made a bunch of excuses. I said, my kids are young. They were one in three at that time. I don't have the time. I don't have this. I don't, like, I made a bunch of excuses. And my brother, Ravinder, is the one that said, enough with the excuses. We will make this work at the office. Your husband and my parents and in-laws and, you know, sister-in-laws, everybody will pitch in and make it work with the kids. You have to do this. And you have to do this because there is nobody that looks like you for your girls, and he has two girls too, to look up to on TV. Somebody who isn't a Bollywood star, uh, somebody who has brains and somebody who can stand up for themselves, somebody who has a name like yours, um, and 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 somebody that they're not asking to change themselves. And so that's something that was really important to me. Um, and so, yeah, I went and I have been, Glad and happy that I got that push. Actually, so much so that he didn't. He knows me so well, not only by being my brother, but also my business partner. That he knew that when I said yes originally to go just to Toronto for the screen test, never mind, you know anything else. That he knew that there's a chance that I would go and not actually go to the screen test. <laughs> I would go to Toronto. So he actually said, my dad is this a chauffeur. And I laughed like, really? <laughs> and I'm glad he did. Cause there was more than a 50% chance that I, I wouldn't have gone. Um, because I think we first think about all the negatives and think about, like you say, the negatives of social media. I can't tell you all the trolls that I would have. And I, I too, I know at that point I was not on social media, but I definitely knew the negative part of it. Um, And so I'm, I'm very happy that I did. And I took that leap of faith um, and, and was me Um, not only in the way that I, I talk in the way that my opinions are given and the way that I look was a very, very big um, thing for me too. And I know it was for you too. Um, And also um, I think that it's important that nobody tried to say to me, change your name to Mary or MJ or many of the other <laughs> versions that I've heard over the last 40 years. Um, because, you know, a lot of people identify with that, right? That, that, that they don't get to be themselves in, in when um, they're taking a chance and doing something different. So I do thank you very, very much for that fight. And I know it wasn't easy. When you um, got onto it and did it, and and I don't think of myself as a role model. Um, I do think of myself as somebody that I hope some young, it doesn't matter who they are, kid on their on their sofa can say to themselves that. That could be me one day. I can have, you know, an education in something else and do something else. And you're not stuck in this box that I think that we sometimes feel that we all are, no matter who we are growing up. And that it's never too late. I think that, you know, sometimes we think that once we get married or have a family or pick a career, um, that we've kind of chosen our path. And I and I, I definitely um, have discovered that not necessarily the case. <laughs>
1: As I said, it's not about the how much money somebody has amassed. It's what somebody can say what you did. If a line cook sitting at home can say, if Vij as a line cook can become a dragon, so can I. That is the inspiration that we need to give. If somebody can say, A woman of color can become a dragon, so can I. That is an inspiration. And that's what we need to do. When initially, when I was, you know, we were talking about it, and if you see on the show, I'm not wearing socks. uh, And I'm wearing my Indian kurta that I got from Frontier Cloth House in Mississauga. But it, it it was more the fact that I felt that Canada had arrived, that I could be who I am. I didn't need to pretend, I didn't need to change. And I think that to me is fundamental of what we are as Canadians, that uh, we need to support that. And I do want to take a moment and say that uh, we are on a beautiful ancestral land of the First Nations people, and we must respect them. We must respect where they came from. And it is very important today to recognize um that this was this was their land. And 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 just to respect it. And every time that happens, every time we do a talk or anything else, to just respect the land that God gave us and 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 be happy and be proud of it. So I don't have any more questions for you. I just have the fact that I I wanted to just share that I am really thoroughly honored to A, do this podcast with you and B, um, that you have done so well for yourself. Love to the family, love to the girls. regard to your father.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. And thank you Vikram for coming on today's show today to talk about your journey. If you'd like what you heard, please consider rating us on iTunes. Be sure to follow the show to hear new episodes as soon as they come out. I'm Manjeet Minhas, and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers.